This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, your Manchester, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over another mixed week at Manchester United on and off the pitch. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the channel. Really appreciate that. Really helps us out. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, please feel free to get your questions in. If you're watching the replay, of course, you can still say hello and feel free to comment because we do reply to the comments we get. And obviously, if you're listening back on the audio platform, be sure to give us a review on the platform you're listening on. Uh, Paul, how are you doing this week? I know that you um, went to see a good game of football yesterday. Yeah, I'm not too bad. And yeah, it was a, it was a good game, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I was at the, um, the, the game before in the FA Cup and <clears throat> that wasn't too bad in the end, but this one, it was a good game, you know, and it was a different, it was a different Leeds United from what was at um, London Stadium previous. Yeah, um, we'll be talking about West Ham as well coming up, obviously, because we've got them in the league very soon, um, but first of all, we've got to talk about another team who playing Burgundy, oh, I suppose West Ham fans will get a bit offended by that, the old claret argument, um, but... <laughs> Aston Villa, we played over two games and a really a bit of a weird blend of a, um, a couple of fixtures, really, because you've got Aston Villa coming to Old Trafford, first of all, Stephen Gerrard giving it the big end. Um, and in the first half of the FA Cup game, well, we started quite well, obviously scoring quite early on. And then Villa came into the game, began to dominate it a lot more, um, dominated the second half of the Cup tie, really, until Rangnick changed the shape late on and Basically admitting after the game that you know he's going to need three midfielders to achieve the aim of controlling the game, and that's exactly what he went with at Villa Park. Um, and you could argue that what he wanted was successful for a while because we played quite well. But then the problem that we've got with United at the moment is that you can change the shape, and the shape achieves a purpose for a, a short while, but. It, We've still got the problem of personnel, and I think that's what really did for us in the end. Uh, we were better for 50 minutes or so before this late capitulation against Villa, and they came back and drew 2 2. Uh, Coutinho grabbing the headlines, Gerard obviously as well for bringing him on. In football, Paul, we are so used to catastrophizing because we look at 
individual results we say oh this happened and that happened and everything we've got a weekly podcast obviously where we go over all the games in detail and we try and get a conclusion from them and sometimes you've got to accept that these things happen you know like a home team boosted by a new signing can get momentum in a game of football they can steal a result when i say steal they probably deserved it on the balance a 2-2 was probably fair can't complain because United, although they did well for large portions in the game, they were punished for not being able to kill the game off or control it. Um, where do you stand on that one, Paul? Because it was an entertaining game, no doubt. Um, and like I said, I think I'm, I'm saying to to a fair result. Uh, probably if you get a few United fans saying, "Oh, we, we played too well uh, for that," but in a game of football, you you know the balance is dictated by what happens actually in the game. So <laughs> we can't really complain too much about the two two, right? I think we have to say that United have been have been judged on the on the second half. Yeah, because um, that's that's the easiest bit to remember. So last is kind of that's the lasting bit. And if the game had gone another five minutes, in hindsight, I think there could have been a problem in yeah. certain ways the way United were looking. Um, saying that if it had gone another five minutes longer, that meant that Van der Beek would have had a little bit more time on the pitch. But um, I think we have to say the the first 45 minutes was definitely the first 30 minutes was the best 30 minutes away from home United have had this season. Yeah, They haven't dominated a game like that at all. That was their best period of domination against any team this season. And surprisingly, it was against Aston Villa more than anything. And then there's a lot weaker sides out there and they haven't done it too. So that was okay. Did I feel feel assured that they, when they did go two 0 up, they were going to stay there? Yes, I, can, I virtually said that. That United very rarely give up two goal leads. Yeah, but then I should have remembered this isn't your typical United as such. That should have come ahead, but kind of I was feeling quite good in what I was seeing when I was working, and I was <clears throat> inside confident the way they were going. It was the positives, but I should have thought about the negatives. United is that or, or the human nature of a certain way of football, which could never change whatever level, is that sometimes happens when you get that 2-0, you get a little bit complacent and you drop deep and you sit off. Yeah. And the moment they did that, they allowed Aston Villa to pass the ball. <clears throat> the full-backs, the, 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 big, the biggest problem is in the, is in the wide areas. I don't think... <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. It's been consistently there. Um, I've never seen full-backs getting behind Manchester United so often. Both yeah. fullbacks had so much joy. Yeah. And generally, you'd only, when, you know, given it media-orientated, the only fullbacks allowed to do that are Liverpool fullback because they're great and fantastic to our, to our football media. But even they don't go in behind. Everything is crossed in front, which is a lot easier than getting in behind people. But Aston Villa got in towards the byline far too often. Um, Dinier on, on the left-hand side making his debut for Aston Villa. Blimey, what a debut that was for him. He's never knocked so many crosses into a box from such good areas. Matty Cash had one of his best games for Aston Villa as an yeah. attacking player. Um, so that bit wasn't good for United that they allowed that to happen because poor sides doing it always causes problems. So there was a, a lot of questions to be asked about in the second half. But at the moment in time, there's all questions to be asked about Man United. There's a lot of a lot of answers, and there's still a long, long way to go. And 
it's about, for me, it's about United finish the season the best they can and start again from scratch. Because when I look at it, and I think myself, eight and a half years, Manchester United, since um, the, main, the main manager left, five yeah. man, they're on their fifth manager in eight and a half years. I mean, could have been worse. It could have been seven and eight years like um, Everton. But it's still not good for Manchester United that they haven't stepped on since 2013. Nothing has been there cemented, in, cemented there in concrete. Not nothing at all, because now whatever happens, people are not going to really grab it. They're not going to take it. People are just going to be apprehensive now at this moment. Yeah. Um, Dan asks a question while you talk about the fullbacks. It's an interesting one to get into. Um, what's your view on the fullback situation? Because we're chopping and changing largely because what we have isn't good enough. How do you feel they have done? I guess Dan's talking about since Rangnick took over, I'm concerned. But yeah, I mean, you, that's the point you're making, right? That they were both of them poor. Um, Dallo looked all right going. In fact, they both looked all right going. Home, but to, to leave that much space, Paul, and they, I mean, these are the changes that Dallo and, and Tellers we were talking about four fairly average fullbacks. I mean, Shaw probably the best, Wambasaka the best defensively, Shaw potentially the best all round, but they're both in really bad moments in form. And then the two that have come in who, who provided a little boost at the start of Rangnick's reign, now you're seeing the susceptibility, you know, against any team in the league. You know, Villa, like you said, quite, quite rightly, they've got a lot of drain in those areas. Are you concerned by that area? Yeah, um, I think every, anyone who's actually listened to me or seen anything, I'm a little bit of a sceptic. Yeah. I, I have an opinion. Um, I don't think you can tr try and wear... You can't wear rose-tinted glasses anymore. If I wanted to wear rose-tinted glasses and talk about Manchester United, I'd sit on MUTV and do that, which would be quite simple but unenjoyable because you wouldn't be telling the truth. But I look at the full-back areas and... I've always been, I was always a big fan of Wampasaka. Previous to Manchester, him coming to United, I watched him play so many times at Crystal Palace and nothing, nothing got past him. But he's, at the end of the day, he's a good player, but Manchester United isn't his club because, there's, because they're asking a different question of him in that position. If he was to go back to Crystal Palace, It'd be rave reviews, what everything he'd be doing, because he suits what Palace are. And he suit, and there's other clubs. Players reach there's been some great players come to Manchester United. And they just they haven't managed to get their head above the water because they just can't fit into the club. And you can name a lot more than me, by the way, Wayne. You players have come in and all of a sudden you've gone, wow. And after six, six weeks, six months, you suddenly gone. This ain't going to happen. This club is not suited to him. He's not suited to the club. The club might be too big for him. Maybe there's too much asked of him. And I think that's Juan Pesaka. The way it is being a fullback at a top club is different to being a fullback at maybe a, a, cl a club in a different situation to Manchester United and your Liverpool's aspirations are a little bit different <clears throat> in, in what they're looking for. They love certain bits, but they're willing to accept that little bit back from that, why, do, why Manchester United are not. I look at Dallo. Dallo is definitely better than Wan Pasaka in the attacking third, but he's not agile. He's not the most mobile. He's 
very one pace defensively he gets people get round him far too easy but yeah. he's steadier and more you know that you, you're going to get that little bit more from him than what you are with Wan Bissaka on the other side I like Tellez good crosser of the ball good from dead balls better and he's got more about him more adaptable in the attacking area than Luke Shaw Luke Shaw um Luke Shaw goes goes forward like an express train. Goes forward. It's just, he's, he's, yeah. Sorry? He gambles too much. Yeah, he gambles. He, he does ridiculous overlaps. There's, there's stupid overlaps there. Look at me. I'm, I'm making run forwards kind of things. And there's no guile when he's doing it. He's not thinking about the repercussions when he's doing it. It's all in. It's like, you don't... you don't. If you're going to go to the casino, Luke Shaw's got to have his own money. Don't give him any of yours because he'll just whack it all in. Yeah. Um, so he does that, and the problem is he goes forward like an express train, and comes back like a full popular. To be honest, really, three-speed gearbox, and takes it's going to take about two years to get to seventy miles an hour. Um, it just, and then when he does defend, and he, um, was, I'm trying to think the best way to describe his defending when, when he, when he's got when the ball's not around him, and someone let's put it this way, someone makes a run off of him. Luke Shaw's idea of defending is to block them. Yeah. He, he won't move his feet and go with them or understand that he might be running offside. He blocks people. I see it too many times, three, four times a game. He gets one of them wrong the first one. He's on edge all game. And should have, you have not, um, Villa in the FA Cup game. In theory, he could have been sent off because he put in four blocks. Four yeah. blocks. So I looked at him after I finished and I just asked the people who could have shown to me four blocks he'd done off the ball and every single one of them was a yellow card. And what it boils down to is laziness. Yeah, yeah, no, laziness you're right. All around. So getting getting right to it, if United are going to be successful, they need new fullbacks. Tellis, I like Tellis. There's something about him that says to me, within the right team, to dominate in possession, he's the kind of fullback you need. Defensively, I'm a little bit worried, but can that change? I think someone's always got that bit of defensive about them. They're just not being, they're not used to doing it. They haven't got that sense of danger, but you can get people to defend. And yeah. in defending, when I, I mean that in the sense of you haven't just got to win tackles in the Premier League and that kind of football. It's about being in the right area to prevent being teams passing through. Tellers has got a chance, maybe. Dallo, very similar, maybe. But they need new fullbacks. They yeah. do. It's, a, it's you know, when you're going to spend fifty million, you look at the back four United. Whatever way you work it out, there's over a whatever it goes more. But the minimum is a hundred and twenty million pounds worth of defenders on the pitch. It's absolutely shocking. And at the moment, the player who's going to win the player of the year is the goalkeeper. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's pretty damning. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're quite right. I mean, Wambasaka, maybe if you've got Beckham or, or Kanchelski in front of him, but we don't. We've got inside cutting players, no matter which way you look at it. And that's the issue for him. He's got to provide more width, and it's difficult for him at the moment. Um, Dan just said, love hearing that from Paul. We can all have opinions as fans, but he's played in that position for the best club in the world. He knows exactly what he's talking about. Absolutely bang on, yeah. Absolutely right. And Patrick, a couple of comments from Patrick. Um, I agree with Paul about starting from scratch. You need to admit that we've got it wrong, reset, rather than we were close based on last season. 
uh, which created a bit of a false empire, building a winning culture, culture, upgrading a few positions on the pitch, and getting the right coaching staff. Probably need to accept that's another two years. Uh, fullbacks cost a combined £110 million, unfortunately. We'll need to trade again because their standard is not very high compared to top teams. Just as a whole, absolutely right. Um, yeah, one note on, oh, a couple of notes on the Villa game before we move on from that. Um, Fred, obviously, very, very instrumental. They played, uh, Reinick played this 4 3 3 system, which had Matic in the middle and Fernandez on the left and Fred on the right. But sometimes Fred was pushing so high. It wasn't only like he was a false 10, he was like he was further than Cavani sometimes. And he was, obviously, I tweeted, what, what position is he meant to be playing here? Because um, he was in this inside right position up front. And then two minutes, well, literally within 30 seconds of me tweeting that, he gets the press and sets up Fernandez for the second goal. But then you see he's in this situation again where he puts in a hesitant foot. You know, he, he's basically not not culpable, but he's involved in Villa's build-up for both of the goals because he's pulled out of position a little bit. And that's the impetuous nature that you've got with a player like Fred who, who can do good things, but also doesn't have perhaps the discipline to see through a game like that. And that's the issue that United have at the moment. Is it? I don't know from the combination of midfielders that we've got, if you would say which three would you want to control a game, you'd probably pick the three that we played. But the problem is that they're still not good enough to do that. For, for whatever reason, Fernandez sometimes is careless with his long passing, which you take because obviously it's creative as well. But in a three, it's it's a little bit wasteful. Matic, obviously, if a game goes on as it did, sometimes he might not have the legs. And then you've got Fred, who's trying to do the job of two players and it can make him look a little bit impetuous. That's the issue that United have, isn't it? Even with the best combinations, you, they still don't have the personnel really to to say that they can see out a game like that. They don't have, you know, the professionalism to control a game like that. Whereas a City and a Liverpool, they could finish a game like that on autopilot. Yeah, you are you are right about that. Lee. You look within it, and <clears throat> the one person they haven't tried in there, and I keep mentioning, and I've seen a few other people starting to mention is Van der Beek. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. He he needs he needs a run. He's not going to get it, but he needs a run to actually for everyone to come out and then give a really honest assessment about him. At the moment, he's getting a bit of a cult following because he hasn't been given an opportunity, which is I think is great. I think I believe in that because he needs a chance. Yeah. For people to see it, but he needs to get a run. He can't just come in in the game and then then deliver. He needs three, four games himself to find his way. And could he go in there and do it? I like Fred. I really do. I really, every time I want him always to do well because he's so honest. Yeah. When he knocks a bad pass or anything, if he felt, if he feels it's the right decision, he will go and try it again because he didn't get the execution right. He doesn't go missing Wayne. Yeah. He never shirks his responsibility. And what he does sometimes, I think he takes on other people's responsibility. That's why you see him running and running and running. And he's one yeah. of those ones who <clears throat> you will rely on, one of those ones who the players who look at him and know he could win players' player of the year. He's that kind of player because you know he'll get you out of trouble. He, when you ask him to mark someone, he'll, he'll mark somebody, but he'll mark a man and a half and do someone else's job as well. And and I like people like that. Fernandez is a concern for me, and I can. Um, <clears throat> I've been thinking about Fernandez quite. Just watching him, and the way 
he portrays himself on the pitch and I'm sure there's play I'm sure there's players within that squad who don't like him and what he does on the pitch. What do you because mean? Because he causes he brings too much attention to everything. You know, the way you know, he puts in a bad tackle and he's telling people to get up. Someone tackles him, he rolls around, he wants to show him that he's got a nick in his sock or something. Yeah. You know, I saw I saw Watkins trying to pick him up the other day. Nice yeah. lads. Yeah, yeah. Lovely lads. Nothing, no malice in him. <clears throat> I think he felt he didn't do anything, but he still went come and get up. Weren't rude to him or anything. And he throws yeah. his arms away, throws pushes his arms up in his face and very disrespectful towards him. All that adds a bit. He's wearing a captain's armband. You know? I mean, I, I remember one time we're playing the game and I get a little clip and I'm kind of on the floor and I'm kind of, oh, going like that. And Robbo's come across to me. Are you hurt? No, I think I'm all right. I think I'm all right, Robbo. Well, get up. Get up. Yeah. Okay. And it's that simple. It's that simple. Don't show people you're hurt. Laugh at them. Turn around. Whatever you do. If you're not hurt, don't. And it's just that. And that discipline starts from everywhere. Your discipline goes to manager. When you're on the pitch, it stems from your captain as well. How he conducts himself and how he goes around to everyone else, I don't think he helps. So that so what is is a is a good steady up and coming midfielder Manchester United does it have Fernandez in it? At this moment in time, you would say it has to because of the way he's been involved so much since he arrived. He's been incredible for January signing. It's been absolutely incredible. There isn't hasn't been many better when you look at returning investment of goals. Yeah. But as a person, it worries me. He really worries me. So if you look at a three in midfield, or you're looking something in there, you'd have to put him in for what he's done previous. But it's about who's going to be around him. And I don't think at the moment it's within the club. Yeah. If you're judging it as it is, it's not within the club. If it's within the club, we haven't seen it on a consistent basis. It's as simple as that. There's a, a report coming out um, over the last 24 hours about Fernandez apparently rejecting a, a contract extension in the autumn and possibly looking to revisit the talks it made. Do you have any concern about that? Or do you just think that that's just part of the process? You know. Sorry, was you saying about he's going to... Well, he, no, there's a report from The Athletic is that he turned down a contract extension in the autumn and they're looking to revisit the talks in, in May. Do you have any concerns about that? Do you think that, you know, we, are we going to be put in a position, you know, like, let's say, theoretically, Pogba moves on and having moved on Sanchez and, and sort of weeding out this culture of massively overpaying players who, who don't have this, they haven't earned the stature yet. Um, I know Fernandez, if any player has, but do you worry that United might be sort of manipulated into another? How long has he got left, Wayne? Well, I think he signed a four-year deal with an option when he signed. So that was two years. He's two years into that. So I guess they're just looking. It's just part of the, you know, so you're going to have another two years at least. Um, Well, I look at it now, and this is getting a bit tedious, all this now. And it all kind of started a little bit of Arsenal many moons ago when they were losing their players all running down contracts. I think if it's becoming that way, you have to accept it. You can't push and push because it comes more of a story than the team. And yeah. one man suddenly, maybe one man's ego, is con- is in control of a football team, football club. 
So at the moment, if you think you're still getting enough out of him on the pitch, you still keep using that and you build off the back of his performances and if improving your team, then it's up to him what he does. Does he want to leave an improving team, a team that's on the verge of achieving something and then go to someone else? Because I look at Fernandes and you say to yourself, OK, where are you going to go? Yeah, exactly. Where have, where have you been prior to coming to Manchester United and have all this all this kind of everything around you? Got this, built this aura around you now from your performance at Manchester United. No one out there, any ilk, really wanted him. Yeah. United have gone and grabbed hold of him. I can understand why other clubs haven't got to him because I think that's a little bit maybe about him personally that has maybe kept people away. Because when you look at him as a footballer, you're saying, well, hold on a minute, why hasn't he played for these, some of these big clubs around Europe? United have grabbed hold of him. They've made a career out of him. And if he has, if he's not loyal enough to respect that, the fact of what that club has done for him in stature and everything that goes with it, then so be it. He shouldn't be at the football club. If I remember, there was a certain player who had a problems and he was at bigger clubs than what Fernandes was. He comes to Manchester United. He makes he helps Manchester United achieve their ultimate goal in 26 years of trying. And then he actually makes himself into a person who's saying, this club has changed me as a man, as a person, as a footballer. And he stays there and shows loyalty. No, yeah, I know. Eric, obviously, is a man that you talk about. That, got, got Wayne, got to stop chasing people. If he said, I'm going to wait, I'll wait and turn and say, yeah. OK, but as long as he's doing his job in the park, being the right person around the ground, stop chasing it because you end up with another Pogba scenario. Manchester United do not at this moment in time because they're, the, they're actually there on the thresholds of becoming a laughing stock, like Arsenal become. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, one last note before, because obviously there's a lot of things on that topic to talk about. But just before we finish on Villa, I want to talk about one one little note which I, I found quite significant, which we haven't been going 25 minutes and not really talked about it. Um, Rangnick basically dropped Maguire, put him on the bench, um, and, and Lindelof's played well like of late. And I, you know, I've been quite critical of Lindelof. I, I don't think again we're talking about the best of what we've got rather than is this a Manchester United Championship chasing team. From the best of what we've got, maybe Lindelof and Varane is looking like the the best pair. And you've got to say, um, I know that before the game, Ragnick was talking about um, the captaincy, wasn't he? He was saying that, oh, Ari's still the captain and everything. That was classic Fergie in a way, you know, like saying, oh, yeah, Fergie, um, Ari's still the captain, blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes to game time, Maguire's on the bench. Um, interesting decision. I mean, Rangnick's already done this. I mean, obviously, he's he's put Ronaldo on the bench before, right? I'm sure he's put Ronaldo on the bench. He's put Fernandez on the bench. He's obviously changed everyone else in the team as well, not afraid to do that. Um, and this is another big call from him. Um, Lindelof in decent form, you would say. Um, certainly deserves his place at the moment. And Maguire not in form, so he's on the bench. Um, but still, the first time that that's happened, so it's a a big bold call from the manager, right? I just think he's trying to change it up, and he's trying to make it make it known to the players that he's not going to come along and just do the same as everyone else and expect you know everyone expects him to play <clears throat> in a certain way. I think we was like that during our time. I turned up and I thought to myself. Yeah, I'm going to be playing right back. When I was at QPR, I thought, yep, I'll be playing centre-half or sweeper. But it's a different era, different 
different mentality to players that, you know, we was desperate to play for a lot of reasons and we tried to prove that point. But I look at it now where it's just taken as a gimme. That's what it's become at United, as a gimme. I think Maguire does need the um, proverbial kick up the backside to understand what really is needed from him as a footballer more than what it is as a captain because he's not a captain, not in a million years. He's not in control of his own game, maybe his own life, to be a captain. He hasn't had the life skills to be a captain of Manchester United. Lindelof, 100%. You know, you can't... I can't, I can't question him at the, the way everything is, is done. I'm still, at the moment, not sure about Varane. Really not sure. He doesn't. He's not giving me any great confidence. There's no authority. Seeing things and like I said, I've always said is that he was led by Ramos. Ramos was yeah. put. You can talk about what he's got in his what he's got in his cabinet all day long. Sorry, his twin cabinets because the, the boy's got a lot of lot of stuff, yeah. a lot of hardware there. Yeah. But still, it's off the back of playing next to maybe one of the strongest, maybe the strongest. Character, yeah, as a centre half mentality, everything maybe most dislike centre half in the last twenty years of football. Yeah. But he had that bit about him where everyone wanted. Him. Now, you look at it now. If United was to go and get someone like him, they might be in a better place defensively. That bit might be sorted because of what he would demand. Because he actually would be demanding it. Because <clears throat> he'd be trying to protect himself because he knows his legs would be going a little bit and everything's been around him. It's a bit like Silver at Chelsea. Silver yeah. controls that line. When he plays, the man is walking, he's playing the game in a pair of slippers. Yeah. He just shuffle, he just coast along that grass. And I think Ramos would have done the same. So when you talk about Varane, but Varane was there with Ramos and he was led. Now, I think Varane is one of those <clears throat> who does need a stronger person next to him. So I can understand why he's left Maguire out. And the one thing that was happening in that first half against Aston Villa was the ball was being shifted a lot quicker from the centre-halves. It was yeah. being moved better. You know, they got a little bit of dom- domination with the ball, Manchester United, which they don't get. And that stems from the centre-halves pushing it further forward. Matic coming in and shifting it further forward. Not coming all the way back, getting the ball and then passing it square or passing it backwards because... Anybody can do that and have a hundred percent pass, you know, pass conversion. It's easy to do, but I like the idea what he's done there and be interesting because of now he's had a little bit of a breather. Who's to say that Phil Jones isn't going to get another run? You know, I, I'm, it's, I mean, we can't. I mean, I saw you have a little smirk there, Wayne, but he, but you did that just out of the fact of mentioning his name. But yeah. I'm still there. I like what he done in his first game. His second game is more important. Now he's got himself right, physically and maybe emotionally. Let's see, maybe he might get a run in another game because it's always a hard one because expectations after his first one and everyone willing him to go on again, how does he deal with that? No, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Um, That's the centre-off situation for for United. And yeah, like both said there, I think um, still a bold call from Rangnick to leave out uh, the man who is still the United captain, the man who was... um, he was fielding questions about before before the game. Um, another one who has been fe- <laughs> facing a lot of questions at the moment, Anthony Martial. And this brings us back to the Fernandez thing. And 
I was talking about this on Twitter because Martial's one of these divisive players, obviously. He's been through a lot of the controversial periods and he's been a, a big figure when the controversial periods have been happening. Obviously, when Mourinho was under pressure, he wanted to get rid of Martial, as, as most people are aware with that. He tried to replace him. Well, he, he tried to basically, a few times, if you, you can look at it, he wanted Perisic when he signed Lukaku. He signed Sanchez and Martial was out of the team. Um, when Sanchez, when when he first arrived at the club, he signed Ibrahimovic and took it Martial's number off him. So you had that period of Martial being unhappy there, and maybe a few people because they don't like Mourinho, sort of backed the player. Woodward certainly seemed to back the player and didn't sanction a sale that was on for him. And then you've got the you know obviously with Ole, Ole's more or less protected all of the players. And then it comes to this situation and, and Martial looking a little bit like a bad egg because his agent has come out and said he wanted to move and then that happened and and Ragnik had the conversation with Martial directly and, and confirmed it and then he's not been in the team. And then it all results in this situation where um, at the weekend apparently he refused to be part of the squad. Um, he denied refusing to play, which is, you know, a bit of a grey area, splitting hairs, but two different things, basically. But it looks like he's, he's challenging what Ragnik said. Another big decision from Ragnik in that, in basically talking about it publicly and saying that, you know, he, he refused to, to be part of the squad. And, and United are in this situation where, obviously, Martial looks like a little bit like an easy target because he's one that everyone could say is probably surplus to requirements. It's time for him to move on and the player himself accepts that because he wants to benefit his career for you know and move on to be the best that he can be. But United have got loads of players like that. You know, Martial's one. And the problem, that you, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about uh, Bruno Fernandes, is that a new manager's come in and yes, when a manager sacks like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, everyone has their own ideas of what that manager's going to come in and do. But he might well get rid of your favourite player like a Bruno Fernandes. He might do that in order to set the standard of the dressing room. Where do you stand on this part? I mean, the, the Marcia, it seems like a very easy one because everyone can accept it's time for him to move on. But this whole thing, you know, of... You know, is it is it a bad thing on on Ragnik's part? Would you rather that he kept that behind closed doors, or do you think it's a good thing that he's he's actually come out and said it? You know, it's it's very disconcerting for us as fans to be looking at this <coughs> and then seeing like you know this story come out about Fernandez saying that he want he, he's had a breakdown in communication of his contract talks. It's like nobody wants to be there, and that's concerning. I mean, is it a good is it a good thing that the manager's highlighting this and saying this is the standard? We're not going to be accepting this. If you if you don't want to be in this squad, Martial, when we've got Ronaldo out and Rashford's not going to be playing, then then we're going to we'd rather go with someone like Alanga and put him in the team. Where do you stand on that? Obviously, it was a big story over the weekend. I, I look at that and. <clears throat> Martial should have been gone quite a while ago. <clears throat> quite a while ago. He, everything about his face, everything, demeanour, just not happy. Never looked, to be honest, he hasn't really looked happy from day one. Maybe it's just there. Maybe it's just the way his face is set up, to be honest, really, to look miserable. But um, he doesn't look like anybody's really enjoying football. And if, yeah. if he doesn't want to be there, and he's come out and said it publicly, nothing wrong with that, by the way. I think 
At the moment in time, we've got a lot of people, players. There's a lot of players in the English game who are just happy to be somewhere and taking the money and just sit around, be, get a nice yeah. tracksuit, be associated with a football club, a big club. Look at me, but not willing to give anything. No, no blood, you know, blood or tears for the club, sweat, blood and tears for the club. So, Martial, what he said, yeah, okay. Now then, the club should be working to move him on. Best possible way is to get someone like him out of the club. Work something out with somebody, go out on loan, and then if it doesn't go, if he's not going to work with that club, then you have something in plan. Someone else who might be around, but they want to see what he's like on loan. Is he going to show any appetite? But you shift him out because he's a, because he's a bad apple. No different to Lukaku. You move him on, very, try and get him out quickly. When it comes to the fact of, he's made, it's you saying about, he says he didn't want to be in the matchday squad. We don't know how that was delivered to him. Yeah. By the by, the interim, interim, whatever you want to call it, manager, whatever, boss. Yeah. You don't know how that was delivered to him. Was it delivered? Case of well, since you know you said you don't want to be within the club, I don't. I'm not going to. I don't want to be club. I'm not going to play you. And maybe it shouldn't. It's not right for you. Maybe to be within the squad and travel him. Yeah. Because you, I know you've been there. You have got players who don't want to be there, and they're travelling with you, and they can't help themselves. They start, they start saying negative things and they're kind of down. They've got the hunt with the manager. They've got a hunt with the club. They've got a hunt with maybe one of the coaches because they know one of the coaches. Maybe not talking to him. He's treating him a bit like dead woods because yeah. he's, in theory, that's what he used to call you, dead wood. If you're, if you're at a club and you're not involved, you're dead wood. So it's not really, in my opinion, a big story. It's a fact of life. It could, be, it could happen in a factory, someone working on a line who doesn't want to be there, got a job somewhere else and just biding his time and all of a sudden you think, he's not doing 100%, he just might miss something that might affect the whole the whole chain of that, of that no, we need to shift him out and move, don't let him in that position, so the, the problem is that now is that everything's big news with United there's stories coming out, are they true, are they not, is there a whistleblower in there, <clears throat> it's all, and that tells you the club is in the wrong place at the moment Football's in the wrong place. There's too too much stuff coming out. Too many people writing about football, you know, <clears throat> everywhere on social media who shouldn't be doing it because they haven't got a clue. But the easiest thing you can do is talk about, I've got a source. And all of a sudden, you give yourself this big name in football. It's a fantastic achievement to do that without any credentials. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's a lot of talk. Absolutely, there's a lot of talk. Um but the reality is United are in a bit of a bind at the moment. We had a question from Dan, one of the editors of the, the website. He wanted to put this one to you, Paul. You talked about getting through this season and what this, the, you know, like United are kind of at this point where they've just got to get through the best that they can. He asked, could the unthinkable happen and United get into this Europa Conference League, you know, not the Champions League of the Europa League, the Conference League, which, to be fair... They couldn't have made sound less appealing if they'd have tried. It's not a really good sounding competition, but that could be United's reality, couldn't it? Yeah, it could be. It really could be. Um, I was fortunate enough not to actually go to one of those games. When I was doing games in Europe, I'd I'd done all West Ham's games at home. So I was quite lucky. I didn't have to go and watch one of Spurs games. But you see... Some of the teams that Spurs are up against, just their names, 
the names of the teams made me think, have they pulled this team in? Is this a European side that plays at Hackney Marshes? Because some of the names coming up, are, <coughs> Spurs suffered quite a few few embarrassments in that because they went at it half-heartedly. <coughs> I said Nuno went at, went at it half-heartedly and they got embarrassed a few times. They went behind, had to bring on a cavalry to get them out of jail. and Yeah, so, but as you look at it, we've, you know, I was, you was brought up, Wayne, in a, a three-pronged, um, Europe, you know, European yeah. football. Yeah. You know, United, you know, United won, I think, was it the lesser one, which was the Cup Winners' Cup? And yeah. That, and and that's, deemed the, that's deemed a big trophy for United, and it was in 91. It was a big trophy Absolutely. in 91. So somewhere along the line, 20, 30 years down the line, this conference cup, this conference, whatever they call it, could be a big tournament. Nothing starts great. It starts in the low ebb. It's don't want it there because we've got this. You know, you speak to any 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 FIFA kid who's you know taps away in his FIFA. You know, what do you want to do? What's the biggest thing? Oh, the Champions League. What about the domestic league? Isn't that bigger because it's your home league and your team? No, that league. And you think that's where it's all gone wrong. We've forgotten where we come where we come from and what's and what we should be looking to and. And the end of the days, it's a baseline. And if your baseline is the conference, the conference one, so be it. And you go in, you go in there, and you try and win it. It's as simple as that. I just can't get my head around. Look, even even back in the day when we played in the UEFA Cup, and you remember Rosa Volgo, Brad? I'm sure you do. Uh, I didn't. The UEFA Cup still had the prestige of being the UEFA Cup. Like then, you know, the, the, there wasn't. I didn't see it. Uh, as yeah, obviously there was a hierarchy of the competition, the European Cup, which I always call it. I know it's Champions League, but I always try and call it the European Cup. European Cup, Cup Winners Cup, and the UEFA Cup. That's how it was, and there was no less lesser prestige. It was just a competition that you were in. Well, Wayne, well the Cup Winners Cup was always seen as the lesser one because it was just the ones who it won the domestic it. cups. That's right, yeah. That, and then, just... I suppose, then the teams were going for it. UEFA Cup, and it's been said by quite a few people, was the most difficult one to win. Yeah. Because you were, you know, you was playing the teams who were second or third in their domestic league. Absolutely, yeah. And it was a very difficult one to win. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I can remember like when United were back in the. Um, in the Europe, in the European competition in the seventies, before they won the cup in seventy seven, they they played against the Ajax and, and Juventus. I'm pretty sure that they were the teams that they played in before they'd actually won anything, and those were obviously massive games. And you can think of Ajax; they were on the at that time they would have been rebuilding after the Cruyff team, and they had a couple of players left in Juventus. Still had a they probably had a, the makings of one of the great teams would be formed there because they obviously went on to win the competition. So, yeah, you're absolutely right with that. I, I can remember, yeah, the UEFA Cup for a long time was seen as a secondary competition, wasn't it? I mean, Cup Winners' Cup, you would think, because of the name of it. But UEFA Cup was a secondary one. And, um, yeah, it, it was strange how you had that for generations. And then the Champions League, really, I think, once they started adding the second and third team, maybe the second team, all right. But there's the third team. You're watering down the strength of the comp, or maybe watering down the strength of the competition. You, the the ripple effect that this has had on competition on, on the league, where they can say they see the top four as the achievement. It's altered players' mindsets for this generation. It's completely skewed what achievements meant to be, and this is a knock-on effect to United because 
we've talked about it before and I've talked about it elsewhere. How I always had a m- massive problem with when Mourinho came in and, and this I was someone who wanted Mourinho to come in and I thought that he'd instill this winning attitude into the squad. But then you had the end of his first season where he started resting players for games against Arsenal and Spurs to win the Europa League. And all right, the gamble worked, but what you were you were sacrificing is basically saying that some games at United aren't important and you can't afford to facilitate that mindset at United when the problem was already there anyway. United are still getting over that now and it's still a problem for Rangnick because, and he's unfamiliar with English football. He's unfamiliar with the standard at United, unfamiliar with knowing that all these teams that are coming up against United are treating it as a cup final and how specific that is to United. And you've talked about it before, Paul, about that, um, you know, about playing for an opponent against United and stuff like that. So it's very specific, very, very difficult thing for United to to turn around. And, and you, you're quite right. If you play in a Europa Conference League, even though the name of it sounds farcical, and you're quite right in, in the... the, the the identity of some of the opponents seems laughable for a, a club like United to be associated with. But once you're in it, you should be in it to win it. And you know that United are probably treated the same way as Spurs, like, you know, like <laughs> half heartedly or something like that. But yeah, that's the reality. It could well be but, the Europe Conference. Yeah, but given everything, given everything now where these players are flogged and having to work so hard and having to play full. 40 games and everything because and then they think everyone wants them someone has a bad game and it isn't because he's had a bad game it's because he's tired and he's played four games in a month and things like that yeah. um shouldn't i just think that conf- they brought that conference one in if you you wait you know everyone's talking about players welfare you know not the man who digs road for a living and his welfare but the footballer's welfare and the fact of you know, he's, he's only just getting by on what maybe he's earning in the Premier League. It's tough out there. Why why didn't they do that as like back like the good old days and make it in, as a knockout competition? Yeah. Why did it need another league? No, yeah. Just yeah, to I... get just to get it going, just get it going and just make it, you know, like a seeded kind of thing and just make it a knockout tournament. And then you might have seen teams think to themselves, oh, we want to win this game rather than you know, thinking so we've got this league game there and league game there. It becomes a knockout and it could, you know, it just adds, just to add something to it rather than these European league things. For me, I was going to, I went to the three Europa League games for West Ham and it was fantastic. But it was the first, that, you know, it was, it was the first time or something like that in a long, you know, been in Europe for a long, long time. So, yeah. it was, so there was getting over 60,000. It was brilliant. But if it, if it keeps going on and on and on, it, it changes, doesn't it? The complexion changes of the whole thing. Yeah, once Champions the novelty League is a different off. scenario. Yeah. No, yeah, once the novelty wears off of stuff like that, like you do it once, then fair enough, but the second time it's like, now do we want to see, um, I don't know, Sheriff FC against... <laughs> Come to come to our ground, not really, not with all you know, with all respect to, to a team like that. It's just capturing the imagination, like you said. It's a generation of watching Marseille and Barcelona come to your ground. Do you know what I mean? Stuff like that, and then you see the the, the unromantic names coming um, from from a British perspective. You would say, um, yeah. So that's where United are at the moment. Um, I was going to talk about Hannibal, um, who started the Afcon. Um, 
with Tunisia. I mean, he was he started the first game, the weird game against uh, Mali, and he was on the bench for Tunisia, Tunisia's big win yesterday. But I think we'll talk about him at the end of the tournament and see where he's come at because there's a lot of talk that he might be involved in the first team squad. So we'll 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 deal with that when they're out of the squad and see what kind of football he's had in there. But let's talk about the two games coming up, Paul, quickly before we close. Brentford, um, obviously the rescheduled game, and we talked about this, that United can reschedule a game. Oh, United can, <laughs> the league did. I still thought United should have played that one. I think and it's completely different conversation, but the, the rescheduling of these games and the, the, league, the teams pull... Um, requesting the postponements, it's just getting ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. But United could benefit from this postponement with the Brentford one because obviously at the time they were flagging after a dreadful second half against Norwich and Brentford, a high-energy team. This time round, Brentford are in a little bit of a rut, bad form. They lost 3-0 at Liverpool, but by all accounts, um, they made them uh, work for it. They lost 4-1 against Southampton last week. They reschedule this one to this time, and it probably helps us, you know, a little bit. I mean, if if it was going to be placed anyway, anywhere in a in a run of games, I'd be after a couple of defeats from Brentford, where the heads are a little bit down. Yeah, um, I'll say I'm going to I'll give my opinion on this and how I would have been, and from my times of being a club like Brentford, being at Queens Park Rangers. And you get used to bad runs. You have you have your good times, and you have you get then you hit a, you you win big games, and all of a sudden you come up in certain games, and all of a sudden it goes flat. And then what happens? The saving grace is you have a night game at home against Manchester United, who you haven't played at top level for God knows how many years. Yeah. Sitting in a brand new stadium, a compact stadium, atmosphere is going to be incredible. Brentford fans will be screaming and shouting. Southampton and Liverpool have gone to bed. Let me tell you, and I keep saying it, Brentford have been looking forward to this game from the moment they got promoted. Manchester United was their game. Liverpool early season, yeah, big game, whatever. But Manchester United was the glamour game. That's the one they've been talking about. Those players will just be so revitalised, they mostly cannot wait. So anything you're thinking about, rest and you're thinking well at the time and it's been it's been put back to this no it's a, it's a completely different different thing completely different it all goes out the window so united have got a really tough game on their hand they're going to have to in theory really work hard for it and then go into that next game and it's got and they've got to really be right mentally yeah um patrick says uh 100% spot on with Mourinho's first season. I was uncomfortable with effectively, effectively chucking games against Arsenal and Spurs, finished six, six that year. Yep, that's they set a dangerous precedent. That's what I was talking about, and I've been going on about that a lot lately as well on my social media. Um, after after Brentford, all right, one second. After Brentford, Paul, um, we got to uh, play West Ham at Old Trafford. Obviously, West Ham, up and down season, mostly up you would say 90% up uh, but they, you were there yesterday to see them lose against Leeds in a great game talk, talk me through um, where, where you see West Ham at the moment after being there yesterday West Ham are, they've just kind of 
in a sticky patch now with a few players who are maybe showing a few frailties and they missed they've missed Socek. Yeah. Over the last missed him, missed him yesterday. Um it's a game, it's another game like them. They're gonna go into that game, they're gonna be looking forward to that game. David Moyes is gonna be up for that game. The players are gonna lift themselves, they will change it slightly. Um he needs he needs freshening up, he needs a centre half. Because I must say, Daniel James calls West Ham's two centre halves problems because yeah. he was so energetic, so unselfish, made runs behind. I've never seen a two centre halves look so nervous with the ball at their feet. It calls them a problem. If Daniel James um, could finish, someone would take him. It was it was incredible the opportunities he he was available to him in that game yesterday and the game week before. You know, someone. I mean, he's, you know, you look at Daniel James and. <laughs> not trying my best not to be disrespectful, but you, you would have a nickname like Jigsaw because he goes to pieces in the box. Yeah, it was just like it was, honestly, he could have had two yesterday, minimum two. He had a one on one, and it was just. But their, their great strength and their main straight is Declan Rice. Strength, sorry, is Declan Rice. Yeah. Jared Bowen has been absolutely incredible. Can score goals from nothing. Can, if they had a centre forwards of any kind of note that would make a massive difference to West Ham at this moment in time. Yeah. Massive difference. That is a, ma- a major weakness at the moment is, is the centre-forward area. But if they're going to do anything, they've got to really work the centre-halves. And I mean that by running in behind. Look at the running behind. Full-back areas on the right-hand side. Not the greatest defender, Creswell. Good delivery with his left foot, solid left-sided player, um, but that's 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 where it's going to come from, and they have to dominate the ball again, like they did for thirty-five minutes, properly against Aston Villa, against West Ham. If they can do that, but if West Ham get to start right against them, West Ham will go out and achieve something. Leeds were at them from the first first kickoff, fifteen minutes from Leeds in that first half. West Ham couldn't get out of it. West Ham was stuck, was stuck in it because Leeds absolutely physically ran them, ran them ragged yeah. everywhere. They couldn't deal with it, could not deal with it. Well, remains to be seen whether United can match that kind of commitment. Oh, no, they, no, they're not going to be able to do that. They don't train to that intensity. Leeds yeah. train to that intensity. I was chatting to Tony Dorigo about it before the game and the way they play. And what Leeds do, they play man-to-man. And if you break down your man, you've got to keep running with the ball because you will cause havoc. But that's what then they've done. And then once they break away from you, then that's what they do. But United are not in that, in that mindset at the moment. It's not their game. They haven't got the players to play that way at this moment in time. So yeah. it's something that's going to be looking at from a good pre-season and then going on from there and changing it. Yeah, what would you do for? Would you, you know, obviously went with this new midfield shape, this um, three man with sort of Fred and Fernandez pushing up. Would you say that you try and keep that shape now, considering that he did well against Villa for for a period of time? I think he's got to give again. He doesn't want to be messing about because it's not his way, is it? You know, he's got his. He's had to change it maybe from where he wanted to be, but I don't think he's going to want to make too many changes. 
but he's just got to make sure he's just got he's got to have good energy out there, good legs. Just yeah. you know, players who don't have to demand they run, they, they work hard, they want to work hard. You know, they want to do it. <clears throat> and you know, look at Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenwood has got to take more of an active part because the quality is there, but it's the endeavour, the application that needs needs to be sorted out. How much does he want to score goals and? Does he really want to go in where it really matters and do more? Because at the moment he's having a bad time finishing, isn't he? <clears throat> at this moment, yeah, so he's not being the one, the, the young lad initially, who, the new kid on the block who who was doing that. Sancho come on late in the game. Sancho, at the moment in time, I, I don't know what I don't know what he's doing at the moment. He's just really, I really don't know. He just he he doesn't look that he kept panning into him on the bench, and. He wasn't what he wasn't watching the game. Definitely wasn't watching the game. I don't know whether or not out of camera shot there was the next he had an iPad with Netflix on there watching that, but he certainly wasn't watching the game. So he's not right. There's a lot of players who are not there in the moment. They don't know where they are, they don't know they don't know where they're gonna be. They really yeah. don't know. Sancho for seventy odd million, is he is he is he thinking, Am I here next season? What's gonna happen? Yeah, no, it's a good Good question. Um, yeah. yeah, he did look a little bit lost. Um, Greenwood yeah. looks um, not so much lost, but maybe a little bit anxious. You know, he looked lively, don't get me wrong. Oh, but yeah, yeah a he bit was afraid. Just, situa- bit- just quickly, Wayne, I know we got finished soon, is that I'm, I was a little bit baffed by the substitutions and the players who come off. And the, yeah, and I looked at the players come on, but I looked at the timing of it, yeah. he thinks, of, wow, couldn't that have been a bit earlier when things weren't going their way a little bit? You could have maybe zipped it then, but I would have taken Cavani had to come off. I haven't yeah. said that before. Cavani wasn't in the game. And I asked the question, was he only in it? Was he did leave him on because he's had this so-called chat with him and everything's going? Why did he leave Cavani on and take off Mason Greenwood, who in theory was a bigger threat yeah. to Villa? And I, I you know, and then you bring on you bring on Lingard and you think well he's he's going you know he's he wants him out he doesn't want him there yet he brings him on yeah for two or three minutes it's there's weird things happening in football nowadays too many substitutions are allowed because they, none of them are making any sense yeah um yeah they, they were confusing on Saturday for sure um there's Ragnick still getting used to his squad and used to the spotlight at Manchester United and, and what is and what isn't news at the moment you can drop your captain no one blinks and then you can tell the world that a player who already has told everyone that he wants to leave um that you know that you can tell them that he didn't want to travel in the squad and that becomes a headline thing it's a bit of a nonsense at the moment uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week to talk about all those games against Brentford and West Ham go. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts if you're listening back on the audio one, obviously. If you've been watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe on the channel as well. We'll be back next week. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.